All right, this morning uh, we're beginning our Christmas series calling the Songs of Christmas. One of the best parts of Christmas is the music, is it not? One of my earliest memories uh, as a little boy was, uh, was being in our living room and my parents putting a record on the record player. I can't believe I'm old enough to have had a record player in my lifetime. Um, and I have this vivid memory of my parents with Alvin and the Chipmunks record. Anyone else have listen to that Christmas album, Alvin and the Chipmunks? Wasn't that a good one? We should sing some of that in here. That was good. <laughs> and I just, I love Christmas music so much so that early on in marriage, my wife had to make a rule. Put her foot down and say, Rusty, no Christmas music before Labor Day. That's where I'm drawing that line. <laughs> After Labor Day, not before, August is too early because I just would get really early with, with, with the music. I, I love Christmas music. I love the feelings it gives me. I love what it represents. And I think many of you do too, because songs, hey, they're the language of our heart, right? A song is an expression of deep emotion. Maybe that's not always positive emotion, but very often it's an expression of joy and wonder. And over these uh, few weeks as we go through this series, we're going to unpack the four songs, the four original songs of Christmas that we actually have in the Christmas story. Did you know that? In Luke's telling of the Christmas story, Luke chapter one and two, we find there are four Christmas songs. These, these are the original songs of Christmas and they're sung by four different characters in the story. And so each of these Sundays, including Christmas Eve, we're gonna take a look at one of those different songs and see how it helps us understand the meaning that there is in the coming of Jesus for us. And whoever translated you know, those words of, of Luke from Greek to English, they did us a favor, they helped us because you find in each of those four songs a word that jumps out. It's, it's a key word, and we're gonna kind of look at a key word in each of these four songs. They all happen to start with the letter R, letters R-E. So it's gonna make it easy for us to remember this, and I hope we remember this and what these words represent beyond the Christmas season. Today, we're gonna take a look at this first song, and we're gonna find that the key word is the word remember. Remember. We're gonna find out what this means and why this is important for us. Have you ever forgotten something really important? Yeah? Any, any, anyone ever forgot an anniversary? Anyone ever forgot it more than once? Wow. Okay. Anyone ever forget their kids at the mall? Or somewhere else for that matter? Okay, a few of you. Um, I, I was trying to think of what I had forgotten, but I couldn't remember if I had... I... No. I I'm trying to think, have I ever got, forgotten something really important? And, and this, this memory came to me years ago. I was, I, I was a guest preacher at a little Baptist church in Emerson, Manitoba. And, and I, I got the time of the service wrong. I thought it started an hour later than it did. So by the time I arrived there, there were 45 minutes into the service. I opened the door and everyone's head turned. And I could see this look on their face like, uh-oh, I made a big mistake. And so they were ready for me. I, I, just, I just walked straight up to the front as I was taking off my coat in the winter and I just got up there and I started preaching. I thought, Lord, you're gonna have to help me or I'm kind of flustered. And uh, I thought it went okay. And then the, the next time I was there to preach, I met this little lady at the door and she said, oh, pastor, she said, um, when you were here that other time and you were there, I was just praying so hard that that wouldn't get to you, that wouldn't, that wouldn't affect you. And I was, oh, thank you, that's kind of you. But it didn't work, she said. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty, ma'am. Thank you. So maybe you've forgotten something important. Have you ever been forgotten? 
Now, this is maybe a little more painful. You ever been forgotten? You're all ready to go somewhere, someone's to pick you up, and they never showed? Maybe the, the, the one whose anniversary got forgotten, or, or maybe it wasn't uh, a thing that happened. Maybe it's just this sense, this feeling of forgottenness. You go through life, the trials, the ups and downs, and sometimes you have this feeling that nobody sees, that nobody cares, nobody listens, that you're all alone, that you're kind of forgotten. Maybe you feel like a nobody. This morning we're gonna look at the story of two expectant mothers whose stories parallel one another. I think that both knew how this felt and I think we can relate to this um, story. But I, I was thinking back to Again, as a kid, we had a TV that just had the rabbit ears, hardly got any channels, maybe two channels, and there was hardly anything good on there. Only two sitcoms that I can remember really watching. One was um, Golden Girls. Remember that show? (laughs) Here I was, like this 12-year-old boy, watching Golden Girls. There's nothing better to watch. And the other one was Cheers. Do you remember that? Remember that? Cheers, about that, that group of kind of just losers. Those... How did that happen? Takes everything you've got. Taking a break from Have you heard this song before? Show it you this song? Do you know the words to this song? Wouldn't you like to get away? If you know it, why don't you sing it? You don't want to hear me sing it all by myself. All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in. I know you don't know the verses, you only know the chorus. And your little angel hung the cat up by its tail. It's talking about these people that are just going through all the trials of life, right? All these hardships and and then this part, you know this part, right? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came Let's just keep this going. This is what, You'll uh, be where you can see Troubles are all Here's the punchline. You want to be where everybody knows your name Yeah, you can kill it. That's kind of the punch. You know that song, right? You want to be where everybody knows your name. So if you, if you watch that show, you know it was kind of a group of losers. It was a group of nobodies going through hard things in life at work and at home. And, and they had this place they would go where they could be understood, where they could be known, right? Where they could be listened to. And um, it was this place, this pub called, called Cheers. Um, we all want to be at a place where we are known, where we are seen, where somebody knows our name. Okay, so th- this brings us to our stories this morning. If you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter one. We're gonna look at Mary's song this morning. We're gonna have the words on the screen if, if, you, haven't, uh, if you don't have a Bible there to read. Luke chapter one, we're gonna start at verse 46. Uh, the, the angel Gabriel's already come to Mary to announce that she's gonna be with child and this is gonna be a special child and she's favored by God and, and she doesn't know what to take of all this but she says, I am the Lord's servant. Uh, you know, may it be as, as you say. And then she rushes off to her Aunt Elizabeth who also has this miraculous pregnancy. She's past that age where she's supposed to be having babies and she hasn't had any but God miraculously uh, allows Elizabeth to become pregnant with John the Baptist. And so you have these two um, women, pregnant women, rejoicing in this great miracle of of their pregnancies. 
And, um, and so Mary breaks out in song. We find this verse 46. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one, who, uh, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So this is Mary's song, the first song we have in the Christmas story. Uh, What causes her to break out in joyful song? It's really a hymn of praise and thanksgiving. What causes this? I think there's two words here that are are really connected that help us understand where her joy is coming from. The first one here is the word remember. God was remembering, which kind of brings you back to something she said at the very beginning when she said, my soul glorifies the Lord for he has been, say it, mindful of the humble state of his servant. He has been mindful. In other words, she says, I have been on the mind of God. Can you imagine how that must feel? To feel like you have been on the mind of God? That's what amazes her. Not just because she's been on the mind of God, but because who she is. Mary, let's just get this straight. Yeah, she became this famous person and they would name churches after her and make statues. When this happened, Mary's a nobody, okay? There are a million Marys. Mary would walk in the market and no one would notice Mary. A normal girl lived in a normal house, engaged to a normal guy with a normal job, nothing really to see here. She was just someone who kind of toiled in obscurity. We could call her a nobody. And yet, God's eyes were on her. God is mindful of her. Which is to say God cared for her and was blessing her. And so she see, Mary sees something remarkable, remarkable about God. God is about to change human history with this act, with this, with, this, with this boy, this birth. He's about to change human history. And where is God? He is occupying himself with this obscure woman, this nobody. And when she sees this, her response is amazement. She just breaks out in joyful song. Reminds me of another story of another expectant mother. A story that you might vaguely remember or maybe you've never heard before. It's near the beginning of the Bible. Remember Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham and gives Abraham this big promise. He says, I'm gonna make a great nation out of you, which is quite something because he and his wife are past the childbearing age and they have no children. His wife is barren. And God says, I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. You're gonna have offspring. And through you, I will bless all the peoples of the world. That's the promise that comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Wow. Year after year goes by, 10 years now, and there is no offspring There's no fulfillment to this great promise yet. And so we find in Genesis chapter 16, uh, Abraham's wife Sarah is going to take things into her own hand. 
She says this, now, or it says this, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, so she was aware of this promise, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now this is troubling to us, and it ought to be troubling to us. This, this was not uncommon back in this day. Um, what it, why is she doing this? Well, it, it, it's simple. Hagar is a slave, and what is a slave? A slave is not a person. A slave is property. If property has more property, a child, well, that just becomes more property of the property owner, in this case, Abram and Sarah, right? So she's thinking, I can have my child through this woman. So Abram, do what you need to do. Abram agreed to do what Sarai said. This happens. Hagar, the slave, becomes pregnant. And she starts to get a little upset that this baby, which is hers, will not be hers. We find in verse 5, Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I have put, say it, my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. In other words, Abram, we got to do something. We, we cannot have this. She's, she's, not, she's not respecting me, my slave. What does Abram say? Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. So Sarai mistreats her. And because Hagar's being mistreated, she flees into the desert. What we see here, have, have you noticed that nobody in this story, Abram nor Sarah, have used her name? In every instance, they've called her slave. Have you noticed they haven't asked her what she thinks of this? How she's feeling? What she wants to do? She is just a pawn in someone else's plan. So she flees out into the desert, Hagar. The angel of the Lord, that is the angel that is the Lord, God, found Hagar near a spring in the desert. And he said to her, Hagar. First time anyone actually uses her name, God comes to her the slave out in the desert, and says, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? God gives her her name back. What we're supposed to see here is God comes to this nobody and treats her like somebody. She is a person that he is mindful of. And he asks her a question, not because he doesn't know the answer to the question, but because he's trying to show Hagar, no one else cares for you, but I care for you. I'm interested in what's going on. Talk to me. Talk to me. I'll listen. She says, I'm running away from my mistress. Then the angel of the Lord told her, well, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the late God added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And then God says to her, you are now pregnant. Now, doesn't this kind of sound like the Christmas story? You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. No, it's kind of actually the exact same words. You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. The word Ishmael means the Lord has heard. So Hagar who has been given her name by God, gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. 
Hagar's the only person in the Bible who actually gets the honor of naming God, giving him a name. She gives God a name. She says, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. She gives God a name. What is that name? el Rai or El-Roy. God's name is El-Roy. Who knew? <laughs> el Rai, the God who sees me, she names him. So you find here that this, this, this expectant woman who is, feels like a nobody, is treated like a nobody, is dumbfounded by this discovery. What is the discovery? That God sees me. Which doesn't just mean he recognizes that I exist. He sees me and he cares for me. And he hears me. Ishmael. He hears me. God has remembered her. No one else does, but God does. So I, I guess coming back to the question at the beginning, can you relate to feeling nameless, feeling like a nobody? You go through life and whatever life brings your way and, and you wonder, are you, are you, you feel unseen? You feel unheard? You feel uncared for? You feel unvalued? You just kind of feel like a nobody? You ever felt like that? Like I know some of you right now you're feeling like that. Maybe because of something that's happened in your life that's hard or, or maybe you just have this feeling that you are hidden from the eyes of others that nobody cares. God sees and is mindful of Mary. God is mindful of Hagar. And I guess the question is, is God mindful of us in the same way? Or were those just exceptional cases where God is doing something pretty incredible in history so he acts in an incredible way? Or is just this just the way God is? If you go back to Mary's song, she spends just the first verse or two rejoicing um, in, in, in what God has done for her individually. But she spends most of her song speaking about who God is in general to people. The sort of God he is. So if you go back to that, she spends most of her songs uh, saying stuff like this. God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has helped his servant Israel, which is a way of saying his people. He has helped his people remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God remembers that's what this means to her, this, this baby boy. God has remembered. What has he remembered? He's remembered his promise. Way back 2,000 years before when he came uh, to, to Abraham and said, I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. And out of you, I'm gonna bless all the peoples of the world. That includes us here. And I'm sure Abraham thought, how in the world is this gonna happen? But now we know what God's plan was. 2,000, well now 4,000 years later for us, his plan to bless the people of the world was through Abraham and his line to bring Jesus, his son, into the world for God to come and take on flesh and to live that sinless life and to die on the cross and to rise from the dead for us to bear on his body on the cross all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame, everything that stands between us and God. He satisfies the righteous requirements of God that we could not satisfy and he, re and he redeems us. He brings us into fellowship with God. I, I wonder if some of those people over those years, Mary, hearing these promises, hearing of this God and wondering, really? 
I don't know, I just don't see it. Here I am going about my day, going about, I just don't see it. Paul says this in Galatians chapter four, verses four, he says, when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. God had never forgotten. God was always mindful. God had a plan. And when the time was right, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. That's us. To redeem you and me that we might receive adoption of sonship, that we might no longer be a slave, but we might be God's child, that we might be able to call out to God, Abba, Father. Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is God's sign, Mary says, that God is mindful of us. God remembers. God says to us in the gospel, he says, do I notice you? I'll tell you how important you are to me. I died for you. I did it all for you. That's how much I notice you. That's how mindful I am of you. I did everything that's required to bring you, that you might receive God's mercy, that you might be brought into fellowship and have the life of God through faith in my son, Jesus. Paul says in Romans chapter eight, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all, how will he not also along with giving us his son graciously give us all things? Everything that we need is guaranteed because he has given us his son. God is mindful of you and he is mindful of me. And that's, I think, the sign of Christmas. God's coming means you are not forgotten by God, but instead you are favored by God. Jesus, his coming shows you that God is mindful of you. That you can say, God remembers me. God is mindful of me. God sees me. Now, now, God sees and he hears, he listens, but there's a difference between hearing and listening, right? We know this maybe in, in, in marriage. I don't know how often I've, I've caught myself when Erica's telling me something deeply important, hearing, <laughs> she's sharing, and I'm, I'm hearing, my ears are working, but I'm not listening. That is, which is to say, I'm not attentive to what she's telling me, right? I can hear, but not listen. And to my shame, there's been a few times where after having said, Han, I'm, could you forgive me, but I haven't heard anything you said, but I wanna hear you, so could you say it again? And she'll be very gracious, and she'll repeat herself, and, and I find myself right away, a second time. How many times, a third time, Han, have I had to say, this sounds really bad, but I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you again. Could you say it one more time? And my long-suffering wife, she is an angel. Um, God bless her. But hey, you can relate, right? There's a difference between hearing and listening. Um, God hears us. He, which is to say, he listens, he sees, and he remembers. These are all active words. These are all words that, God, that describe God's attentiveness to you. Sorry about that crackle. 
Paul, or, uh, David puts it this way, Psalm 139. Uh, just a great psalm. He says in verse seven, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my de- bed in the depths, if I even go into that dark cave in, in, way down in the earth, you are there, you see and you hear. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you for the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. And, 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 and what David is saying and what he's celebrating is I am always on your mind. You always see, you always hear, you always remember me. God cares for each one individually. You know that? Isn't that cool? This is is what this means when God gives his son. He's saying to you, I am mindful of you. You might feel like a nobody. You might be treated like a nobody, but you're not a nobody to me. You're somebody I remember you. God's mindfulness, uh, however, doesn't mean that you will be free from problems. I think sometimes we can interpret those problems, those challenges, as, as maybe a sign that God does not see, God does not hear, he is not mindful of me. It's normally in those difficult times when we ask, God, where are you? You'll notice that Mary, as joyful as she is at this moment, she's going to bring that baby Jesus uh, eight days or eight days after birth to the temple, and he's going to be dedicated to the Lord, and that priest Simeon is going to prophesy over this child and over her, and what, and what he will say to her is, Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. You're blessed, you're favored, and your soul will be pierced. And you're blessed and you're favored, but your soul will be pierced. God says to Hagar after she flees into the desert and after he blesses her and sees her and gives his promise, he says, now I want you to go back. I don't know if you caught this. I want you to go back and I want you to submit to Sarah. That that place you were fleeing from, that hard place, I want you to go back there. And I want you just to subject yourself to to that hardship, which might seem a little strange, but I... I think what God is saying is that Hagar ran away to find freedom But God is saying that the real freedom comes not when we run from our problems, uh, but when we face them and when we endure them and persevere in them, knowing that God sees us and he hears us in them. Isn't that what we need to know? Doesn't that make all the difference? I I can think back to when I was a little boy. For some of you, that that was a little bit longer ago, but... Maybe think back, maybe you were like me and you just had a, you had a great father who loved you and cared for you, was very attentive to you. And I found as a boy, it didn't matter what was happening to me. I could have felt like I was in a dangerous place. I could have felt like I was experiencing some pain. But if my dad was there and if, and if I looked and if I saw my dad was watching me, I was safe. Remember this feeling? I was secure. Because the man that thing hurts or man that feels scary but my dad's here, he's watching. If I'm in the water waiting out, if I glance back and, and, and if I see my father's over there chatting to so-and-so, he doesn't see me, then, then I'm a little nervous. But if I see my dad watching me, 
okay. It's going to be okay. As I'm learning to ride my bike and you're all scared, can I do this? And I turn around and see my dad jogging beside me. I'm going to stand here. Just move my mouth. If I see my dad's there, I go, it's going to be okay. My dad sees me. He's attentive to me. Right? This, is what, this is what Mary's saying. God's mindful of me. He remembers me. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to face problems. It means I can face them knowing that I'm not forgotten and I'm not alone, that God sees me and he hears from me. Hagar, would have, she would have ran into the desert a slave, but when she returned to that same position that she ran from, she returned not a slave, but she returned a free woman in her soul because even if the people around her didn't care for her, even if they were nobody to her, to God, she was a somebody. God saw her. God remembered. And she didn't know what God's plan was, but she knew that she, God had a plan. And that was where the freedom came from. That was security. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, what can separate us from the love of God? Can trouble or hardship or persecution or nakedness or famine or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither the present nor the future, neither demons nor angels nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, you're going to go through trouble and hardship. You're going to go through all of these things, but we will be more than conquerors. We will overcome whatever because we are convinced of something. What are we convinced of? What was he convinced of? He was convinced of the ever-present love and mindfulness of God on him, on us. And what convinced Paul of that? That God has shown his love to us in Jesus Christ. In other words, he sent his son for us. He did it all for us. And that convinces me that no matter what I go through, God is with me, God sees, he is mindful. And that makes all the difference in the world. If you know that. True peace and joy is not found in what we experience, but in knowing that God sees you as you experience it. So he says, and find these words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, 19, 20. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me and, and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are. You can do it better. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are. Yes, in Christ. You hear what he's saying? God has sent his son, and what that means is when we ask the question, God, do you see me? The answer is? When we say, God, do you listen? Do you hear me? The answer is? When we say, God, do you care for me? The answer is? When we say, God, do you have a plan in all of this? The answer is? Right? So Mary rejoices. God remembers. God is mindful, and it's, it's, it's the same for us as we ponder what Jesus is coming into the world means. It means God remembers you. 
God sees, he hears, God is mindful of you. He is El Ra'i, he is the God who sees. So as we think about going home with this, I guess the question that I want you to, to reflect on is, is there, do you feel like forgotten in any way? You know, is there something in your life that causes you to feel forgotten or unseen? Maybe it's some trial you're having to persevere through. Or maybe it's just just general sense like, hey, I'm a nobody. No one sees. No one cares. No one asks how I'm doing. No one's carrying this burden with me. Do you feel forgotten? This is what I invite you to do each day this week. Add this to your prayer if you pray daily. And if you don't, I just, even if you just pray every day, just for a moment and include this in your prayer, I want you to say these words. Thank you, Father, that you see me and hear me. And then, if you can give God a bit more time, tell him how knowing that helps you. Tell him and, t- and tell your own spirit. Thank you, Father, that you see me and hear me. So here we are at Sunday. It's the first day of the week. Let's just begin by doing this right now, day one. I invite you to bow your head, and we'll just take a moment here uh, to, to talk to God in the quietness of your own heart. He hears us all. Just take a moment, and, you know, if, if there is any way in which you just feel forgotten, just express that to God. Share that with God. Take a moment to do that. <laughs> 